As we gather today, we have this gospel passage that is one uh, perhaps familiar to us, and I need to be uh, careful and blunt, but this is not a slamming of hospitality, uh, which so often uh, the, the take might be that, that Martha has chosen the worst part, or the bad part, or chosen poorly, and that isn't necessarily that, because as we read in today's first reading, we have Abraham and Sarah who welcome these three visitors, welcome them and uh, tend to their, their needs and beyond, over and above. Uh, they slaughter a fattened steer and, and make all this food for them. And they are blessed by that, by their hospitality. In fact, uh, the iconographer Andrei Rublev, uh, a Russian, I forget what century he lived, but in reflection on that particular passage, saw a foreshadowing of the revelation of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so he was commissioned to paint as best he could an image of the Trinity and use that particular thing. So if you look at Rublev's icon on the Trinity, you see the tree, you see in the distance the, the house of Abraham, and you see these three angelic figures sitting there, each seeming to share in equality, but each different. And it is a reminder every time I see that particular icon, and, and hopefully you have, if you haven't, Rublev's R-U-B-L-E-V, uh, and uh, there is such an odd name, you should be able to find it if you just simply Google it, uh, Rublev's icon. Again, in Hebrews, we hear, too, uh, the author telling, do not neglect hospitality, for in doing so, some have entertained angels unaware. Hospitality is a good thing. In fact, one would dare say that hospitality is a necessary component of Christianity. After all, we're called to give a cup of cold water to our, uh, the littlest ones simply because they asked. That's hospitality to give what's needed. In the Middle East, the culture of, of throwing a feast was one that is unlike it is here, although there are some similarities. When you throw a feast, there's still more food than you can possibly eat. But in the Middle East especially, there would be tray after tray after tray after tray of various foods, various delights, and, and uh, from, from everything. And it wasn't just course after course, but but different food item after different food item. And so there Martha is serving. Having prepared all this food, she's bringing it out tray by tray, most likely, and she sees Mary sitting there. First, we might reflect, well, why is it that they're even hosting the Lord? This is the only passage in St. Luke's Gospel that we hear these two sisters, but in John's Gospel, we hear, of course, of the raising of Lazarus, who's Sisters are Martha and Mary. And later on in St. John's Gospel, we hear that they threw a feast for him, for him, for Jesus. And that Lazarus is there, and many Jews came to believe because of that, uh, of Jesus' raising Lazarus to the dead and from the dead, and, and the Pharisees are upset. Maybe this is the same feast. It's quite possible. Although Jesus being Jesus, Martha and Mary being who they are, uh, they are very generous, most likely maybe not. But whether it was or not, there's a point here. 
where Martha realizes that Mary is not helping. And Lord, tell her to help me. Isn't this a nice thing? And he chides Martha. You're anxious about many things. Only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. And that word better is not that she's chosen the only good choice, but she's made the better choice out of two goods. She's made the better choice. Service is good, hospitality is good, but if all you are concerned about is hospitality and not taking, not getting to know the guests, not sitting down to meet the guests and, and enjoy the guests' presence, what is hospitality for? There needs to be a balance. Mary has chosen the better part. That she understands hospitality also in, involves getting to spend time with the guest. That might seem obvious to us, but sometimes in our lives it's not so obvious. Sometimes we get worried about so many little things that ultimately don't matter. And the Lord invites us to choose the better part. So often, too, we hear the separation, and uh, I hear it uh, frequently, the separation between work and prayer, and, and they really need to be united. I know Mother Teresa's order, the missionaries of charity, sometimes are chided because they pray too much. But I don't know any other community that does so much for so many impoverished people. If their hours in prayer and adoration that enable them to go out to the streets to tear, care for those that are covered in flies and feces. It's their prayer that enables them to pick up the people that are covered in their own human filth and to remind them of their dignity because they see Jesus in both places. They see Jesus in the Eucharist, in their prayer, and they see Jesus in distress, hidden in the faces of the poor. It's their prayer that enables their work. In fact, this last week, we celebrated a feast of a particular saint, St. Benedict. While monasticism had existed and started earlier, especially in the desert, with St. Anthony of the desert, St. Benedict understood that there was a need for community as well. And so we formed a monasticism that was community-based and wrote a particular rule. And in fact, that rule is very, very easily summed up. Oh, there's other parts of the rule about uh, how, to, how to sleep with, uh, with a knife and all those things. But uh, for, for good reason, you go into those later. But the two parts of their, the two main components of his rule are summed up in their model. Ora et labora. Ora, prayer, labora. Hopefully we hear the word labor there. They have to be balanced. But it starts with prayer. Work that is not supported by prayer is going to be tedious. And prayer that is not worked out, not lived out, is almost meaningless. In fact, there's, there's a phrase uh, that I, I heard a few years ago, and I keep thinking about it. Oh, he's so heavenly minded that he is of no earthly good. There's a truth there. 
that we cannot spend our days unless God has called us to, but even then there's a work present in our prayer. But we, most of us are not called to spend our days 24 hours a day in chapel, in Eucharistic adoration. Although some days I honestly think it would be easier. Most of us are to spend our days in prayer and work, to do what we've been called to do by God in the various ways. All of us are, not just priests, not just religious, all of us. And the Lord at times invites us to a deeper work where we're anxious about the work of the Lord, but supported by the prayer that we offer. And sometimes he gives us rest. The other beautiful thing about this passage, about this choice that Mary has made, it gives us the chance to ask ourselves, what is my better choice? Uh, I've been asking myself this the last uh, week because I knew I was preaching it. You know, what if I spent more time in discerning what's the better choice here? And I'm not talking about every choice, but, you know, just for an example, should I have carrots this noon for, for lunch or should I have broccoli? In the long run, it doesn't matter too much. But with some choices that have, have eternal consequences, what's the better choice? Should I spend an extra five minutes in prayer or waste it scrolling through Facebook? Should I spend an extra time making sure that having a conversation with somebody who needs God's presence in their life? Or should I just go home and sit alone? And not all the choices are that obvious, though. How do I spend my time? Where do I give my charity? What is the better choice? We live in a world that tells us there is no, sometimes no better choice. We, we live in a world that is almost nihilistic, that nothing ultimately matters. Part of it is coming from this new atheism that we have that's so rampant that, that we just are our chance, that our lives are just by sheer percentage sheer happenstance, and there, there's no purpose, no meaning to our life. How horrible it would be to live the consequences of that kind of life, and we see it being played out. Oh, I can do whatever I want because it doesn't matter, but we as Christians know that it does matter. There is a better choice to choose to be disciples, to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to him. Not just to serve him, which is good, but to spend time with him. And not only that, but then in turn to invite others. St. Luke ends this passage with leaving a question. What is Martha going to do? What is she going to do? Is she going to continue to be worried and anxious about serving? Or is she going to say, you know what, I have servants, because most likely she would have had servants to help her with all this. They were a wealthy family after all. How about I let my servants take over for a bit? That I just too sit at the feet of Jesus and I too choose the better part. Oh, the hospitality is good. That's a good thing. And I'm sure Jesus enjoyed the food tremendously. But to choose the better part, 
to choose to pray, to choose to be a disciple, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to listen, to know him.